Hello and welcome to We Welcome Your Teams, a podcast about one of the most unique jobs in sport, the football stadium announcer. My name's Rich Hurst and I'm currently the stadium announcer at West Bromwich Albion, although I've been sitting at home since March 2020. And across this podcast series, I'm going to introduce you to the people behind the voices you hear at football stadiums every week. We'll also talk about the amazing things they've seen and the reasons why they love the job they get to do. Think about it. Clubs can have millions of fans, hundreds of staff, squads full of players and even large groups of coaches. But only one person gets to grab the mic at five minutes to kick off and welcome the teams to the pitch as the crowd goes mad. Now to you, we may just be that guy up in the booth, high in the stand somewhere, or the guy standing down pitch side who's got the mic and a big voice. But across the board, we've witnessed most, if not all, of football's biggest moments and seen some other stuff that your average fan hasn't. It really is one of those, how'd you get that job kind of gigs. So we're going to explain. And just before we kick off, I'm going to do my standard stadium announcer thing and go through the list of birthday requests to check there aren't any wind-up names. People still try it on, you know. So welcome to episode five of We Welcome Your Teams. Delighted to say that our Spotify playlist is now live. Uh, So we're using the music that the teams walk out to for each of our guests that we've had on so far. So when Alan Keeg was on from Man United, he told us they walk out to the Stone Roses, the one. So that's track one on the playlist. Then we've got Sham69 from Carlisle United, Faithless from West Brom. And we'll add another one after today's guest. This time, myself and voice of Old Trafford, Alan Keegan, are chatting with Dickie Dodds, the man who's on the pitch side mic at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, trust me, as the West Brom announcer, getting the Wolves guy on takes a bit of stomach. But I feel like I'm doing my bit for peace relations in these troubled times. Dickie's in his first couple of years of the job at the Molyneux, and he's loving it. He really is another really good example of a genuine fan who just feels ridiculously lucky to have the gig. Now, it's not all been rosy. He's going to tell us about his fair share of pronunciation hiccups. Apparently, he has been brushing up on his Portuguese sins. He's got tales about half-time games to tell, also talks about palling up with Connor Cody, and we'll talk about making tough decisions when Wolves lose. It's so tempting as West Brom announcer to say something here, but I'll resist. But we will start at the start, and we'll talk to Dickie first about how he ended up being the person who welcomes the teams at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, Well, I got involved. uh, There's a team of us, actually. There's myself, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Hunt, and Gabby. Um, who kind of have a responsibility for all the stadium stuff. So obviously I've done pitch side stuff. A lot of my work is for the fan zone outside the stadium. Uh, but for me, it was just like, I had a conversation. They said, yeah, come along, you know, get involved and let, let's see how it goes. So I did that. I said, look, let's just do a trial, see what you think, and let's have a go at it. And it was really well received. And that first few matches I did was bringing the team out. So, you know, welcome our team, welcome to Wanderers and and doing that and, and, and being on the pitch and having 30 plus thousand people around you uh, kind of starting to shout and cheer on your command it was just incredible uh, so so my job really uh, you know kind of came from a little acorn of just doing a bit pitch side to host the fan zone um, and then hopefully you know we're doing some more pitch side stuff when we kind of get back to money so it's it's one of those kind of jobs that kind of has just evolved as time's gone on. I think because of my radio background, they wanted somebody as well 
who can kind of be kind of quite fluent. Uh, what you know, and you know, you know, coming from radio background as well, which is the fact of, you know, you, sometimes there's so many plates to spin, and I think especially in the fan zone, we have to do that. Sometimes you have a client, we have delivery the once uh, with their their game that they were doing. So you're going over there talking to families, in, interacting with that. Then you've got an interview coming along, but sometimes that's delayed for a bit because they've been inside the stadium or someone stopped them for an autograph. Then you've got the band to get on, and you've got the timings to stick to as well. So the, all that kind of stuff coming together. It's been a bit like being on the radio as well, where you've got lots of things coming together in a certain amount of time that you've got to do. So, uh, so that's how it kind of evolved for me from you know pitch size stuff to being on the fan zone as well. You know, haven't haven't yet met a stadium announcer who didn't have a radio background yet. Yet, yet. I think it, it just it just it, it's it's a natural you know it's a natural thing. I'm not I'm not you know there's no big headedness about there. I think it's just what we you know it's what we can do and it's what we love doing. If it just so happens that we happen to love football as well, then even better. Absolutely. And, you know, and for me, you know, I've always said this, I'm Wolverhampton born and bred. So to be at Monu in my home city, which I broadcast to on the radio, uh, and then to be there with my home city, you know, football club, along with the fans uh, and, you know, people I've grown up with, friends who have been to school with come over and, you know, high five and all that. Well, it's been a high elbow at the moment, um, but uh, but we do all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it, and it is, it's, and I think our, radio background lends itself really well because of that plate spinning that we have to do when you're on the air in a studio to taking that out and, and, and doing that in a live scenario and there's not many presenters you know i know lots of radio presenters but there's not many who can do the live stuff outside of the great in the radio the great in the studio but once you take them out of that comfort zone and pop them in a live situation where you've got hundreds or thousands of people around you and you've got to interact and, and kind of keep your, your marbles of where am i going next what am i doing you know they can't do it. So I think, you know, there's, there's a breed of people who they've got the natural kind of way and, and been able to do it and whatever and that um, natural aptitude to do that. And I think there's some people who can and some people who can't, you know. So how, how long have you actually been physically doing it? It's not been that long, is it? Uh, it's been um, about now 18 months at Montague. So quite kind of a new thing. We started to do fans and stuff with, with the council as well. So events and it just kind of snowballed from there really you know and um, it's one of those things that I really look forward to I, you know in, in in all of my 26 years of radio which is also involved doing a lot of events or whatever I never look at it like work and I, I never think to myself oh it's a match day I've got to go down and be out and even when it's cold you know I look forward to it put the long johns on put the woolly socks on and away you go and it's just you just get carried by the feeling of doing something that's just so exciting. And it's, I think it's the love and the passion for it that carries you through, that blinkers you then over to anything else, you know, when it's cold and that. that that's something we haven't talked about here. Alan's probably a good expert on this because he's the furthest north-based of uh, the three. But it's cold up north. It's cold up north. colder there, so you've got to get the layers on, Alan. Don't believe the rumours, boys. It's, uh, it's all lies. It's all <laughs> sunshine and uh, fun in uh, Manchester, I can assure you. Listen, Dickie... Midweek cup replays in January. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Absolute nightmare. <laughs> Dickie, just a, a couple of quick ones from me, mate. You've been involved, as you say, for whatever, 18 months, or been involved from that point of view with the club. What, what's been the best part of it, and what's been the worst part of what you actually do? Crikey. Well, I think the best part for me is, I would probably say, going down with the team to Wembley to um, do the announcements and kind of... Um, to the Wembley thing for the FA Cup final. Um, that was incredible to do last year. That was just mind-blowing to be at Wembley, having, you know, 
my home team there, all the home fans, all travelling down together. That kind of that wolf pack mentality that we've got, um, all travelling down to London and being inside the stadium and seeing myself on that big screen and talking to camera, uh, that was probably the, the best moment for me uh, away from money. But but at money, I think every time I do it, it sounds a bit cheesy, but I just love what I do. It, it's, it's difficult to single out the best moment because probably the first time I did it was probably the best moment because you just think, wow, this is... It's, just, it's a brand new experience, but all of it's the best moment for me because to do it as often as I do and to be involved and, you know, um, even, you know, within the stadium, it's not just the pitch size stuff I do. I host a lot of their events. So when they have the the club sponsors lunch, where obviously there's lots of um, businesses who sponsor a certain player. I mean, you know, in WV1, they have a, a lunch and we get the players there, we do interviews with them there. I do the children's parties, so you know the uh, the, the the club, the the, the wolf club, um, the club parties, you know, with, with the kids there. That's that's pretty amazing to do. Um, so that I'm kind of lucky that I get involved not just on match days, but across the whole club and and be involved in in lots of things for the, for the club. So for me, that the whole thing is amazing. The worst thing about it is probably you know going back to us at the the weather but probably the weather I think when you're outside you're exposed to the elements I think that's probably the worst thing and you'll know this Alan doing it as well (laughs) you've got to get yourself through that and when it is freezing cold um and and there have been days in the winter especially last year when literally I couldn't feel my feet I was was saying to the guy I said I feel really cold you know whatever but you've got to battle through and are there any I mean you've you've only you're 18 months in so hopefully you're good but any particular clangers that you've dropped by accident or anything because obviously oh, yeah there was one uh, yeah dave um dave hunt who does the uh the pa room stuff he had a week off and they said can you cover for dave okay no problem and um <laughs> that there was like three substitutions within 30 seconds and the first time i couldn't get all the team the, the, the players names out and i was just like honestly i was like brain freeze and it's you know it's the first time I've ever done it, and it, that was like, and it was going so well. I was thinking after me half time, going so well. I've done everything, you know, and we're getting, you know, and it was great, great job, Dickie. And then in the second half, there was these substitutions. Crikey, and you know, you feel warm from the inside, and <laughs> that feeling engulfs you of complete terror. <laughs> and I just like folded, and I just like I took the pen there, and I was like. And it was like, no, don't wait, it's okay, it's okay. I was like, no, really, really kind of cocked up there, you know, because it's like, and, and being professionals, you want to do your best all the time. You want to be at the top of your game, like the players are on the pitch, you know, because it's a big thing. And you can't, if you're in an office, you make it a mistake, filing a bloody file away. No one knows about it. With our job, you're exposed because people can hear you and see you, and you've got to be on the money every single time. So that was probably kind of the clangor that I've done. And, and probably the first few times of announcing some of the um, the farm players' names from other teams who you don't know, I'd have to write out phonetically. Dave Hunt's amazing because he knows all the players, all the names, the way you say them. And I sit there with him pre-match and we'll write them out and I'll do them phonetically and I'll say them back to him. He'll say, you haven't said that right or, or whatever. Um, and that is... I've had nightmares about that actually. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter which league you do it, you know, as, as you get used to sort of teams coming, coming and going. Well, as, and Alan, you know, the same, you've got a lot more European experience than, 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 than both of us. You've probably had some beauties down the line, haven't you? Oh, some classics lads. And I can relate exactly to what you're saying there. Dick. I mean, I've had 
that you know we could do a show on clangers with me over <laughs> 20 years i've been at old trafford i mean pronunciations and everything else um but what i what i normally do i always go and have a word with someone from the away bench you know, because there's always lads in the the, the the fitness guys or whatever they're at the side of the pitch or the master or whoever. And I just chat to them and have my pen. And a few of them have set me up. They've had, they've had a bit of fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've had a bit of fun with that as well. But yeah, yeah. I, I remember we had a game at West Brom last season. Uh, speaking of substitutions, we had a game at West Brom last season where the fourth official's board stopped working. No. So you know, sometimes we get you get that you get the fourth sort of pass the card back with with what yeah. the, the the dugouts have written on with the numbers, and yeah. we have to try and fight and scrub because they're passing it over to Sky or whoever, or they're keeping themselves like what what numbers what number was coming off. There was all this chaos about a trying to get the subs on in a rush, but then also we had no board to hold up, no. so we literally had to we literally had to do exactly the same as everybody else and just watch to see which player started walking towards the bench. No, and you kind of guess that was the one coming off. But then, of course, what you also have is when, when they take a break for a subs, some people come over to the bench for a chat with the manager or a water. So I remember one of the subs were like, okay, we'll just see you starts walking off. About five players start walking towards <laughs> the bench. Like, coming off and you're right, though. It's so funny. Look, we don't, we don't say a lot during games. So obviously, there's real pressure. But when we do speak, it's, it's bang on. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's darn right. No, no, no gaps, no awkward silences, none of that kind of stuff. You just want to deliver it straight out, of best course. of your ability and, and done. So when anything like that comes in, then, oh yeah, you get the, the little, the stomach starts churning and, and it's all, oh man, it's horrible. It's horrible. I know it's, that warm, it's that warm feeling of terror that engulfs you, know, <laughs> and you can feel your heart rate going up and, and you get all clammy and it, and it just overtakes your body and then, and the, the problem is, I think, us, you know, especially for being on the radio as well, but when you do a bad link on the radio or you do something at the stadium, you don't forget about it. You beat yourself up after going, I should have got that right, you know. And, and that thing, that substitution thing, I was like, for minutes after, in fact, for days after, I was like, why do you get it right, you know? But I am. It's one of those things, you know, we're all human. It's true, we do take things to heart a little. And it happens to all of us, as our guest from last time can testify. Episode 4 had Graham White, man on Tannoy at Everton, on, and it was a blinder. Uh, he told us about the time he had a Europa League hiccup, and he also told us how he got out of it. Very clever. So I welcomed, you know, FC Copenhagen, when in fact we were playing FC uh, Reykjavik. Um, and that was literally as the teams were lining up. So I was always told in radio, and you, you guys will probably back me up on this, don't highlight your mistake. Nope. If you say something, don't then say, sorry, we're actually playing. I just went with the flow. Yeah. Did the team, got on with it. And then later on that night, um, sat, you know, sat in a lounge after the game, waiting for the traffic to go home. And my phone's going like it's, you know, like I've won the lottery. And I'm getting stick off mates who've been at the game. And they were like there saying, you've even had a little paragraph in the uh, Liverpool Echo saying how the announcer had made a mistake. Uh, and in my defence, what I said was, it was a deliberate mistake to see if anyone was actually listening to what I say on a match day. And that's my defence for uh, now. If you want to pick holes in it, feel free. Well, there will be no holes being picked here, Graham. Don't worry. Uh, Graham White from Everton, who was our guest on episode four. Pop back and have a listen. It's a brilliant chat. 
And whilst you're there, make sure you're on all of our social channels and you're getting in touch with the pod. If you'd love to share a story about your team's stadium announcer or something that happened once or if there's someone we should have on. To tell you all the ways to get in touch with the podcast, here is Bristol Rovers announcer Lance Cook. Okay, ladies and gents, it's time to find out the ways you can get in touch with the podcast. Number one, Twitter. Follow us at Announcers Pod. Number two, Instagram. Find us by searching We Welcome Your Team's Pod. Number three, Spotify. Our playlist of different clubs' walkout songs will be updated after each new guest. Thank you for your support today. Now, it's back to the podcast. Cheers, Lance. You can tell he's a Bristol boy, can't you? Back now to what it's like for Dickie Dodds at Wolves. And that great but scary part of being a stadium announcer where you end up meeting and working with your heroes, the players. Crikey, all of them all of them are great. Obviously, you know, you've got the language barrier with some of the players uh, and I fully respect that. I would never want to put them in a situation where they feel uncomfortable. Um, and I've always said that when I've done like the sponsors kit lunch and whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know, uh, like Ruben Neves, for instance, you know. He's great with his English, but I always speak to them beforehand to say, look, this is what I'm going to ask you. This is what, you know, do a quick run through. I think it's only fair that you do that because, you know, you're putting them on the spot as it is. And then you've got the language barrier. And, you know, and bottom line is they're football players. They're not PA announcers. They're not presenters. Their skill is being on the pitch and, and creating amazing football for us to watch. So I think when you have that job to speak to them, I think it's only fair that you kind of line them up with the questions. And then you've got the opposite end of the, the, the spectrum, like Connor Cody, who obviously can speak English and whatever. Um, who and, and I've watched him really grow over these past few years. Of like even on Sky, you know, on the Europa League when obviously they lost and whatever, you could see he was he was gutted. And he, he's great. Nuno is um is wonderful as well, you know. He is uh, you know, he's a nice bloke. And when I've been pitch side, you know, you, you get a wink from the players when they come out. Connor always you know, give me a wink, and, and you know, and uh, the majority of them, you know, you do build up that uh, correlationship. And because we use the players a lot of these other events at Money where we do the kids' parties or, or whatever, and they're there as well. So you and, and that they're a lot more relaxed then. So you kind of build that kind of friendship with them, and it's that trust that you've got to build with them more than anything. I mean, you get the best out of them then, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and do, they, do they have any trying to think about influence on, on your job specifically? I know. Alan, so Alan was on TalkSport a couple of weeks ago talking about how Gary Nev was uh, influential in choosing the Stone Roses as they walk out. As, 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 do you know, has Nuno tried to change anything about that sort of pre-match, post-match thing or anything? Like uh, I haven't heard of any influence from the players or the manager, to be fair, at, at Molyneux. Um, I know that it's the the match day PA experience team yeah. that can't handle that. So David and, and Charlotte and Tom, um, who do an amazing job together, they handle all that kind of stuff. So I've never heard of any influence at all. Um, you know, and we do have conversations about what songs to use. Like, so at the end of a match, you know, it's like Tears of Fears, Everyone Wants to Rule the World. That You know, you want those songs that just make people feel good when they're walking out and on you that our team just won. And the songs that, you know, and then obviously you've got to think at the same time as, okay, we haven't won a match. So what song do you play in the PA? And that's, that's really difficult because it's like, (laughs) 
what do you play, you know? It, 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 what, what do it, you play, Dickie? Because that's always a problem from all of us. I mean, we have uh, glory, glory Man United when we win. Um, yeah. And up to a few years ago, you know, we didn't have a problem because we used to play it every week because we always won. However, the last few seasons, as we all know, it hasn't <laughs> yeah. been like that. So we've had to rethink the, the song and we, we sort of tend to go for a generic, if you like, a Manchester band sound. But it's a difficult one. So I'd be interested to know what do you think about and what do you play? Do you play well, the same one or do you play different ones? I think it's uh, we obviously don't you don't play the, the up songs that we put like Tears of Fears you know everybody wants yeah, yeah. the world which we always play but I think you still want to keep the level of positivity so I know that David still played like Iowa Silver Lining Jeff Beck that you know you sing Iowa Wolverhampton um, so you've still got that there um, at the end yeah so right. you've, yeah so I think you know I think you still got to have that level of positivity and although we might you know and, and it depends on the match as well I think it, you know. If we, I don't know, hypothetical situation is that let's say we were beaten by Man United 10 0. Well, you're going to play a completely different song to if we were beaten 2 1, but we played a great game of football and, it, you know, it was a VAR decision that gave away that second goal and, and made us lose the match. So I think it depends on how the match has been played and what the scoreline is to what songs that will be picked at the end of that if it's, you know, a loss, you know. So. I think I don't think it's as cut and dried as what well, we lose to play this song. I think it depends on how the match has gone and what's happened during that match as well, you know. Yeah. That's something we need to, when we get the Saints announcer on, I need to find out what song they played after the less than 9-0 game. Because that <laughs> that's a salvage job, isn't it? How, yeah. What do you do there? <laughs> I think that's uh, the funeral march and that one, to be fair. Yeah. Um, well, I want to move on a little bit to your kind of 255 moment. Your, you know, it's the moment that all stadium announcers really kind of exist for and I suppose it, it really interesting with you actually because you've only really been doing it you know uh, uh, you know just over a year or so but that that moment where you know the teams are you get to that point where it's about five minutes to kick off teams are in the tunnel getting ready to come out you've got that whole coordinated thing to do of like announcing it the walks the music and at walls now the blooming flamethrowers as well well I do think that Wolves are one of the first teams last within the last 12, 18 months to use them. I think a lot of the teams have followed what Wolves have done. Um, you know, because you, you, we did have fireworks and then the pyros are a lot safer. So, and of course, they do it in the W shape as well, which looks amazing. So, it's about that match day experience. You can imagine kids as well who, who go now. When, as they grow older, they go, oh, yeah, I remember going to Monty, and there was the pyros, there was this and that and the other, and there's Wendy and Wolfie, and there's that fat ball guy on the microphone outside, you know, and uh, the fan zone, me, um, are doing all that kind of stuff. So, so, so that's what it's about. But as in the 255 moment, it is literally the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It's one of those moments that you kind of pinch yourself thinking, am I really doing this? Am I on, on you know, the morning you pitch? There's 30,000 people around me, you know, Jeff Shee and all the board of directors are up there, you know, you've got your friends in the crowd, you've got the players stood in the tunnel and you can, you know, where I stand, I look down the tunnel, you can see them lined up and whatever. Uh, and there's always somebody giving me the cue to say, right, okay, go, you know, I've got a media piece in and whatever. So that moment is just, it's incredible. And and although I get paid to do it, it's one of those jobs you, you do it for nothing. If, if, if it came down to it, if they said, look, for the next 10 matches, because of COVID, we can't pay anybody. Everyone's going to do it for free. I'll say, fine, I'd still do it. Of course, I'd still do it. Because it's for the love of what we do. But it is an incredible moment. And you, and you look around and then you hear 
the sound of the crowd in the stadium and the excitement, the anticipation of the game, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, this season we're going to have the local derbies, which I think is going to be phenomenal. You know, Villa, uh, West Brom, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be amazing. And then you've got that thrown in as well. It's like it makes it even more special because you really want to win because you want the, not just the scoreline and the points, but you want the bragging rights as well, you know, and that's, that, that's amazing as well, you know. Yeah. I think we'll all, we've always said the same since we started this pod. We've all said the same about that that two fifty five moment. I mean, Alan, you were describing yours with the stone roses and the music kicking in and everything else a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's true, isn't it? It, it? It still is, and it always will be. Hairs on the back of your neck. I don't, you know, maybe not for every single fan. I'm trying to work out how we all fit into this. It's not for every single fan, is it? But just for people like us and those things we're used to. Maybe it's the radio thing. I don't know, but that buzz. It's 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 just. It's that moment, isn't it, Alan? Every week. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I think it signifies, you know, like like you're saying there, Dickie, as well, with regards to the queue. You know, we, we when both teams are in the tunnel, we play, this is the one. Yeah. And then the fans know that the teams are in the tunnel, you know, and, and basically that's when the momentum builds up. You know, we whack it up. Um, I don't know how well you know the song, but we've we edited it 30 seconds in. So it yeah. comes straight into the guitar riff because it's got a very low, mellow intro. Um, this is the one. And it just tells the fans that the team's in the tunnel and then you go for the moment, don't you? You know, Old Trafford, please, this is the theatre of the dreams, please welcome. And it's an unbelievable feeling. And for me, that is the moment, you know, like you're just saying there, Dickie, you know, likewise, we're both follically challenged, so it's the hairs on the back <laughs> of your neck. It's one of those moments that, I just, I always, always do a 360 turn as well because our players come out of the corner, not in the middle of the pitch, they're yeah. in the corner tunnel. And I do a 360 turn just before I bring them on. And it's an unbelievable, it, yeah, it's one of those feelings in life that it's so hard to describe because you've got to be part of it to know what that moment is like. No, totally. I, I totally agree. I think it's it's one of those money can't buy experiences, feelings, emotions, and it, and it is emotional. You know, I do sometimes get emotional as well. Even in the fan zone at times, you're talking to an, an ex-player, like a legend who's been there, and you think, "Wow, I'm, I'm talking to this person who, like, I grew up watching. You know, on, on the on the pitch, or my dad used to watch years ago." And you just think, "Wow, it's just like." It's, it's incredible, but to be there on on the match day, you know, pitch side, and just witnessing the whole experience, and it's just it just washes over you, and it engulfs you in a, in a really good way. And I think it's just it's an incredible feeling, like you said. I don't think I think fans get a different experience, but I think for us doing that job, and and, and I've always said this, you know, it's like being on the radio. There's not many people who can do these jobs, so you feel really privileged to do it. So you want to do the best of it, but you stop and you think, hang on a minute. I'm doing this, and there's 30,000 people here who probably would like to be on this <laughs> on the pitch now doing this. So that what, that's what makes it even more special, you know, to me. Yeah, we try not to think about it sometimes. can be a bit daunting. Uh, speaking of feeling a bit overwhelmed, look out for our next episode when our guest is Lance Cook of Bristol Rovers. He's going to be talking to me and Al about getting the job as the matchday announcer and talks about how after being offered the job by his predecessor, it felt very, very daunting. Like that summer after I accepted the gig, I I was a little bit anxious about it, I must say. Um, big shoes to fill. 
I almost kind of felt like, uh, well, you you might know about this, Alan, at a closer level, but I did feel like David Moyes replacing Sir Alex Ferguson. Like, um, you know, like the chosen one, you know, oh. stepping, stepping into it. Because Nick had been there 25 years, you see. Wow. Like, he kind of started off similar to me as, um, as a match day DJ and then progressed into the, to the stadium announcing role. And yeah, a lot of people love him. He's an absolute institution at the club and so I, no one loves him more than me. Um, but yeah, I did feel the pressure. did feel like Moisey, mm. as we said. Difference, of course, being that Lance has lasted more than a season. Well done, fella. So, looking forward to hearing from him on episode six. Back to this, episode five now, and our final part with Dickie Dodds. We're on to the topic of half-time games. Now, we've all seen a half-time game going on in front of us, or, in my case, hosted a few random ones. And I remember being at Wolves once, watching them let fans race Zorbs across the pitch. Throwback to the gladiators of the nineties. Uh, Dicky remembers it too. Yes, that, now that yeah, that would have been um, the yeah the door racing. They've done things where they've got people to put layers of clothing on, and uh, and obviously trying to shoot um, the ball into the goal through the holes. You know, whether you put the, the thing over that. You know, so there's been quite a few halftime games. I think they're looking at potentially doing some stuff again at halftime. Yeah. Uh, the conversations I've had with with Wars and, and a few ideas. I don't know how far down the line that has got yet, but. Um, but, but I think the problem is with half-time games is you've got a very small window. You've got only about eight minutes because, yeah. you know, um, get, in, get the teams off, doing that. Then there's other stuff that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And then, for instance, if you've got an, an ex-player who is there, you want to do the interview at half-time with them as well. So people in the stadium who might have missed it at the fan zone get to experience that as well. You want to maximise that. So you've only got a really small window. So it's, it's kind of difficult. But you also you want to have something, I think, that's rather visual, that everybody can see and you can get you know we're looking at walls with the, with the two screens as well get it on the camera so uh, but yeah it's quite difficult i think to create something that you know gets a bit of a laugh and a bit of a smile it is, isn't it and, yeah. Yeah. It, it is i know and, and you know i know people who've done them so down the down the line there have been some odd ones some odd yeah. things happen so, you know random bits where uh, people are on the pitch or they're not on the pitch they're running around trying to shoot and they can't score it's, it's, it can be I think as, as for what we do when we're involved in it it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of chaos but considering you know everything else is quite well planned for the rest of the day it's also a nice little breather isn't it to have a bit more you know I think I generally just want to wrap up with that idea of getting back eventually whenever yeah. it's yeah. going to be and how, how, how hard it's been watching from home not being there <laughs> I've, yeah, well, I've watched a couple of matches in the pub. I've watched them at home. I think, I think all of us, whether, whether I'm doing the job at Molyneux or not, I just want to be back there as, as a fan, but also as somebody that works there, of course. And I want to recreate what we've created and build from the success we've already had because the feedback we've had on the fan zone uh, has been incredible. Um, you know, uh, and, and doing that. So it, it's kind of professionally, of course, want to do it because it's it's a great job to do. But for a, on a personal note, you know, sat in the sofa watching an empty Molyneux, and, and I think we've got used to it now. That crowd noise, I don't know if you watched the first few matches on Sky, where the, the guy who's got to press the buttons for the certain crowd noises got it wrong a couple of times, and it was like, it sounds like they're scoring a goal, but they haven't scored a goal. Yeah. Or whatever. So <laughs> I, I really feel for that person, but they've got that right now. And I think we are used to now seeing an empty stadium because I think, again, each stadium have done a wonderful job in dressing the seats up, however they've done it, um, to make it so you don't see the empty seats as much because they've got got logos there, they've got 
and mosaics there, whatever. Um, so I think we kind of got used to it. But I think to get back to, you know, to our, our respective stadiums it is something we all want to do very quickly, I think, because, you know, that experience, I've always said this, before I started to work at Molyneux, um, I've had season tickets with my son there for over five years. You know, he actually got me really back into football. And I've always loved football. I was rubbish at school playing it. I was terrible. I was always the last one to be picked for the teams. Oh, we better have Doddy then. You know, that was that was the thing with me. But but to get back to Molyneux and, and that pack mentality, you know, there's the subway from the city centre when you come down to Molyneux, to, which brings you out by um, the uh, Sir Jack Stadium uh, statue. And walk down there, and that pack mentality is just, again, it's an amazing feeling. I think that's something that's inbuilt into us from our ancestors from years ago. When you're all walking down together, that feeling of, right, we're going to Molyneux, we're going to have a beer at half time, we're going to have a pie, we're going to have the banter with those people that you made friends with. Where, you know, my seat's in SL5 in, in the South Bank. And over the years now, you, you know, there's loads of people around. We all have a bit of banter, take the mickey out of each other and stuff. So, uh, I miss that. I'm obviously working now as well. I don't really get to do. I go and sit in my seat after once I've done my bits because I, I want to be a fan. I want to be in the South Bank. I don't. It's great to be in hospitality and, and it is lovely. But you know, as when we when we had a, a box when we did the commentary for the radio station, um, and we had a box and I would go in with clients sometimes and I say to my son, "Do you want to come in?" No, I want to be in the South Bank. I, I, you know, and and I can understand the reason why he wanted to always do that. And now I see the reasons why, and I love to do that and, and be in the South Bank. So it is a big difference sitting on the sofa watching it at home. And I think we're all chomping a bit, raring to go and can't wait to get back. It's going to be a bit strange when they have a small number of fans going in, yeah. being distanced and all that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just really hoping that we can get a vaccine sorted so that mm. we can all move back to normality. And all, all the things I think we took for granted. I think you look back and you think, popping into a shop to go and get a, some milk or, you know, going to Asda doing the shopping. I, I've spent before now, by Montague, the Asda there. Yeah, yeah. I spent like an hour on the car park. I spent longer on the car park queuing to get in than I did in the supermarket. You know? So I think all these things we took for granted that we can't yeah. wait to get back. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, getting back to our stadiums and enjoying the beautiful game in the way that we've always loved to do it, you know. And, and just on, on being, you know, the announcer on being the person that brings the teams out and all that kind of stuff. Do you think now that you've had like, you know, your first sort of 18 months of it, you know, how, how much do you want to just carry on doing it forever? Oh, right. It's one of those jobs. I think if it could go on forever till the day that I retire, uh, of course, I think, you know, um, in a selfish way, of course I want to do it forever and be, be involved even more and more and do more of it, you know, but um, I think you have to understand. And I think you need a team of people to do it. I think the, the, the mix of people we've got doing it now, it, it works really well. Um, you know, Gabby does a wonderful job. Dave does a great job. I do my bit. And I've always said this, is that no one's more important than anybody else. We, we're a team that come together. Brown's got the football team, you know, we're strong as a team and we can deliver that match day experience so that people walk away thinking that was great today that was you know we've been entertained we've, we've it's been a lovely atmosphere you know uh, and that's where i pride myself on when people walk away and say that was brilliant and and you get people come over i've had texts from people tweets from people private messages from people hey, Dickie, so, and i don't know some of these people i've never met them in my life before but that really makes it really worthwhile when you get those messages from somebody you don't even know to say was it the fans down today that interview you did with so and so was brilliant 
or what he did pitch side was brilliant or you know or even to the point of you know we've had stuff to give away and i've gone over to a little child and they've gone with him because they've got the wolf's kit on and and, and this, the parents were sending a message after you made that match day experience for my little billy or or whatever um you know incredible and thank you for that and it's just like it's just what we do you know because you just do it naturally but you know you, you can put that little cherry on the cake for those people and that's 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 worth a million pounds to me you know you just reminded me about the mascots Bloom and X. So you've got Wendy and Wolfie there, whereas we have Baggy yeah. Bird and, and Boiler Man. Yeah, um, Boiler Man. At the Albion. It's going to be yeah. interesting when uh, all of those meet up. Obviously, two big games to look forward to. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's going to be wonderful. You know, I've, um, yeah, I've, I've got so excited when you yeah. guys got promoted. And people are going, all oh, the Baggies and all blah, 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 and, and, and Villa and all that. But I'm like, yeah, I get it. And, and of course, you know, when you support your team, you want your team to be a league. You want to rule the Midlands or whatever. But, you know, the derbies are great, you know. Oh, Stadium House's point of view. It's going to be amazing, those games, both of them. I'm, if, I, if I can sneak into some out of Molyneux for, uh, for, the, for West Brom, uh, I'll have to just come and stand by you, mate, and we'll just have to protect each other. And you can do the same <laughs> yeah. at the Hawthorns. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, those, those, those will be some great... Great games and some great 255 moments. I can't Absolutely. wait for them. Can't wait for them. Um, yeah. Mate, thank you very much. Very really good to chat to you this morning. And actually, it's really good to chat to someone who's kind of sort of discovered the whole buzz of the 255 moment, you know, yeah. early on and then looking forward to years and years and years of it because it's addictive. It's so addictive. I can't yeah. I'm just so, so, lucky, so lucky to be part of it. Really appreciate it, Dickie. Thank you, mate. You're welcome, mate. Anytime and stay in touch and, and good luck with the. Uh, you know, walking away from one of you losing three points. Oh, he couldn't help himself, could he? It's a shame, really, because at the minute it doesn't look like either of us can actually be at our respective ground for those derby matches, which is painful. A massive thanks to Dickie for being on. And uh, now that we've had him on, uh, we'll have the Wolves walkout tune on our Spotify playlist. That's Hi-Ho Silver Lining by Jeff Beck. So we'll add that to our Spotify playlist. Also, big thanks to Alan Keegan for coming on and helping out. And thanks to you for listening. Remember, we are on Twitter and Instagram as well. Find We Welcome Your Teams and all the other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. So Alan Keegan at Man United, Matt at West Brom, Colin at Carlisle and Graham at Everton. Just before we leave you, there is time, of course, for one more announcement. This is a supporter announcement. Would Eric Shun please go to the nearest steward? That's Eric Shun. Oh, for goodness sake. Enough of the wind-up names already. <laughs> Been done again. See you next time.